The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Season. It's the drive on 98.7 ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. Let's go to the phones and start out with Dan. Dan, you're up first on the drive. Hey, what's up, Larry? Love your show. Um, so the thing is, here we are again as Jet fans. Um, we are, it's a complete debacle. It's very reminiscent to the 2008 season in Mangini's third year now uh, that Woody Johnson did not like how we were at 8-3 and three and completely floundered it. Now, we're always talking about continuity, continuity. Now, let's look at Todd Bowles. They gave him three years. Second year, we kind of knew what kind of coach he was. Could have cut your ties, and you could have gone after Andy Reid. Let's go for Adam Gase. After the first year, you knew exactly what you had. But we gave him a second year. We, there's two big fish out there. Woody Johnson raised the PSLs. Do you think that he's going to sell that much with the same product on the field, even if he brings in the Dave, David Carr? No, he's not. Let me tell you something. He did it before in 2008, and he's going to do it again. Robert Sala is too loyal to his, head, to his coaches. Also, Joe Douglas is very privy to Jim Harbaugh because of the ties that he has with John Harbaugh. It is not outlandish to even fathom for a second that a coaching change is well-merited. This is a debacle. And also, one more note as well. Do you think Woody Johnson thought it was fun when the, when the team had the Mike White shirts on? What about this Friday? when they had all switch and swap jersey numbers. Hey, all in good fun. And they laid an egg Sunday. Woody Johnson, as much as everybody wants to discredit him, he is an owner that is fed up, and he is at Leon Hess level at the point where he chose Bill Parcells, and he said, enough is enough. You got Sean Payton out there, Jim Harbaugh out there. We as Jet fans, Woody, are done and disgusted. Salah got to go. Bring in Sean Payton. We have a top 10 draft pick. Trade it to New Orleans. Get this culture right with a Super Bowl winning head coach. Enough is, is enough. Get turbulence all the way. Let's do it. Dan, Thank thanks you, for the phone call. You got it. Um, Dan didn't mention anything about the quarterback. Dan didn't mention anything about the problems with the offensive line. And I get that you have issues with Robert Sala. And he has, look, there's, there's games he's going to want back. There's no question about it. But I don't know if he's the main reason why you're in this situation. I just don't. And looking, and I think when you look at the quarterback situation here, I mean, if I'm some of these head coaches, I don't know if I want to be in this spot. I don't know. I really don't. Ira's in Staten Island. What's up, Ira? Hey, Larry, how are you? <clears throat> Another season in the books. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, yeah, you, you um, kind of spelled it out. You know, the expectations were risen after Chicago at 7-4. and four. I had them after camp uh, probably winning 7, maybe 8 if all the bounces went the right way. But the biggest failure about this year is that we learned we don't have a quarterback. We learned that after, what, four years now with Douglas or however many years, mm-hmm. he's yet to fix the offensive line. I know they got hurt. But Beckton's a bust, and Barrett Tucker was a winner. But McGovern is, you know, I, I think they have to upgrade with that. Yeah. But, you know, you talk about changes. I agree. The quarterback's not on the roster. I'm hoping it's going to be Derek Carr. 
As for the head coach, I understand everybody's screaming, and I'm not making excuses for the guy. He burned two timeouts early in the second half. He only had mm-hmm. one left in the fourth quarter. But at the end of the day, he, Woody Johnson is never, ever, ever going to pay $15 million and more for a head coach for this team. So forget Harbaugh and forget Sean Payton. So with that said, I'm not just going to fire Salah to bring in the next hot offensive or defensive coordinator name. So if you're going to bring him back, you bring him back, but he has to change the offensive side of the ball. I'm sorry. You know how I felt about the offensive coordinator. I thought he was just way too young early on with not too much experience. It's proven to be the fact. Whether Wilson's a bust or not, I think he is a bust, but they certainly didn't improve him. <clears throat> and as for the collapse the last six weeks, uh, listen, you know, today was what it was. You know, I'm not going to put too much into today, but – to me, they never recovered after the Lion game, and that's disturbing because that reminds me of the Victor Cruz game. Mm-hmm. They never got over the Victor Cruz play, and now that Lion game pretty much destroyed their season this year on top of the injuries. But the bigger picture, and I don't know if you're going to agree with me, is that I feel even though Douglas has really added some very good talent to this team, they're further away going into next year than they were from last year going into this year. I feel they have more work to do going for next year than they did for this year. Yeah, because and the reason why I agree with you, Ira, is because you know you don't have the quarterback. See, going into this year, you're waiting to see if you did have the quarterback. Okay, they work with them in the offseason. Now we got some things. Now you now you don't know if you have the quarterback. That's A. As you mentioned, the offensive line is even more of an issue. And you're going to lose – like the defense was better, but you're going to lose players off this defense. You can't bring all these folks back, Ira. Thanks for the phone call. You can't. So you're going to lose some folks. you got to pay Quentin Williams. He, he's, he's old. He's due. The way he played this year, you got to pay him. And you still need some playmakers up front. What are you going to do with C.J. Mosley? What are you going to do with Quentin Williams' brother, Quincy Williams, who, had, who was very good in, in some great spots? You're going to bring him back? I mean, and, and the offensive side of the ball is a mess. Is Bruce Hall going to be able to come back and, and play the way he played? Hopefully so. But the offensive line's got to be fixed. It does. And I know the media asked Woody Johnson about, uh, you know, his thoughts about this season, and he said that he will speak to the media uh, next week. But whether he says it publicly or not, there's got to be a playoff mandate next week, next season. It's got to be for everybody. For everybody. It's got to be. And I'm not sure. I think there's still some – Quarterbacks under some um, head coaches that the Jets are paying, they're still under contract. So I don't think he's going to move Salah because he doesn't want to pay more than one head coach at the same time continually. So I would think he will give them one more year. But it's got to change. It has to. Salah's got to be better. Coordinators have to be better. And yeah, Michael LaFleur is getting a lot of heat. And, and the reason why he's getting heat is because even though the offense changes, right? Zach Wilson, who led the team in passing touchdowns with six, which is tied for the fewest touchdowns for a team leader in the last six years. Got to go back to Alex Smith in the with the then Washington team in 2020. So obviously they got they, they have a lot to do. They got a lot to do. And next time. Whatever changes they make, 
next time they may have to they may have to side towards let's get some veterans in there because the new coaching thing, the new coordinator thing really has not worked. Has not worked. We'll take more of your phone calls next on 987 ESPN. It's- You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. It's The Drive on 987 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776, talking about the Jets season with Kenny and Bayside. Kenny, you're next on 98.7. It's an honor to be on the show, and uh, great job as usual, Larry. Well, the drive has been a long drive for the Jet fans, and they're taking the long road home. Uh, first, I want to bring up something. The Jets had the, uh, I believe it was the 26th pick, and the Ravens had the 25th pick. With the 25th pick, the Ravens took a pretty darn good offensive lineman, a send center in Trevor Lindenbaum, and he would have been perfect for the Jets. But I think the Jets probably wanted him, but he was taken with the pick in front of him. That's just the way the draft goes sometimes. But knowing the Jets, maybe they wouldn't even have him on the list. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as uh, the offensive line, very difficult to correct and fix an offensive line. It's obvious now they've been at it for years. Um, listen, if guys get injured, you've got to be able to plug guys in there in that offensive line. Quarterback has to be protected. The quarterback wasn't protected this year. Um, it's, I believe, also Salah lost the team when the team went turned on uh, Zach Wilson. That that was really – that's not a team when you do something like that. It shows you this team really has no future. I, and the, uh, I think they should get rid of Salah without question, uh, bring a Brinks truck up to Michigan and bring a Brinks truck up to wherever Peyton hangs out uh, and just see if – but if Kenny, let me, one of this, guys Kenny. To... let me ask Go you ahead. this. Let me ask you this. If you're if if you're either of those, if you're Sean Payton, do you want this job? You got no um, quarterback. The... You got no offensive line. You you you've got uh, issues with special teams. Your punters inconsistent. You got a lot here. If I'm Sean Payton, I'm looking to go somewhere where I can do some things where I'm close to being a champion. Thanks for the call, Kenny, and the kind words. That's where I'm going. I'm not going for where, where plays that guy's got. There's no quarterback here. Okay, and and listen, I, we can argue about Salah losing the team or whatnot. They still seem to play hard for him. They didn't play smart, <laughs> but they continue to play hard. I mean, lost the team. I, I don't know that. You know, it, I think the team lost faith in Zach Wilson. And listen, okay, I w- I will say to you that perhaps, all right. It was a bad job by him allowing them to have the shirts out or doing all that stuff. I w- we can have that discussion. But everybody does not get along in the locker room. They just don't. And yeah, it might be bad that they wore the T-shirts and got the T-shirts and everything. Like I said, we can have that discussion. Because on the other side, if they win, then nobody cares about it. So we can point to that, yes. But that that's... That is, that's the players' conversation about how they feel about that backup quarterback. I mean, the starting quarterback and the backup quarterback. That's how they felt. And that's why they said what they said. And as I mentioned in the, in the conversation before that I had with the player that was no, that's no longer on the team, this, who was here when Tim Tebow was here, he told me that, they, that Rex would have lost the team if he would have played Tim Tebow. Because they saw him in practice and they knew that they had no chance to win with him as a starter, as a quarterback. So that goes on all the time. Was it bad to be out in the open? Yes, perhaps so. But you could see it on the field anyway. 
They didn't hide it. <laughs> I tell you that. They didn't hide it. 1-800-919-3776. Giants with a touchdown goal for two-point conversion. It's no good. They trail 19-9. A little over nine minutes left to go in the fourth quarter. Let's talk to uh, let's talk to Brian in the Bronx. Brian, you're next on 98.7. How's it going, Larry? Thanks for taking the call. You got it, my friend. Uh, once again, once again, here we are. A uh, couple hours after the season's over, and I'm looking forward to the draft already, which is not what I want to be doing. I want to be looking forward to a playoff game next week, but I'm a Jeff fan. That's what happens. Uh, I wanted to ask you now that now that it is officially draft season. Uh, where are we looking specifically? Uh, Offensive line. I love Tyrus Johnson. I don't think he's going to fall to us. Tyrus Johnson out of Ohio State, I think, could be that replacement for Makai Becton. I, I hate I hate to see. I think he had so much talent and he was starting to figure it out, but he's just a mammoth of a human being, and I, I don't I don't think I think his days are numbered here. And the mm-hmm. uh, last point I'll make is, um, one of a couple calls beforehand said. That once Bryce Hall went down, that was our season. I think one of the most underrated players, if not the best player on our team, was Elijah Vera Tucker. The way he was able to yeah. go from guard to tackle, and he was so versatile and so consistent and so uh, able to move wherever he wants. I think that's where the season started going down the tubes. He's so valuable, and I really hope he can stay healthy, unlike Beckham did. I hear what you're saying, Brian. Thanks for the phone call. You're right. You need him to be back to anchor that line. You do. And listen, uh, the Makai Becton experiment is, is, I would say, done. You'll bring him back. I guess you'll bring him back to see if he can play. But even so, you can't depend on him. You can't. Doesn't stay healthy. How can you depend on him? Now, he may, you know, he may come back, and this may be the exception to the rule, but I'm just saying Here's, you can't do what you did this year and say, okay, we know he's going to be good. He's going to come back and we're going to have him. Can't do it, okay? Even if you bring him back, you know you need to upgrade the depth at line back, at, at offensive line for your team. And it's hard. I get it. Everybody's looking for good offensive linemen. I get it. Everybody's looking for them. And I said it to you earlier in the season. I said it to you in the offseason. The, the talent level from your starters to your backups are the key to success in the National Football League. The closer the talent level is, especially on the skill position, especially on the offensive line, especially on the defensive line, the closer the talent is to your starter, to your backup, those are the teams that win because you can plug and play and versatility. They can play more than one position. Like you saw, Eliza Vera Tucker was able to move up and down the line. That's key. So <laughs> they've got a lot to do this offseason, ladies and gentlemen. They have a lot to do. They have a lot. Offensive line play, quarterback play. Still need some more help on the defensive side of the football. You still need them. I mean, listen, for me, I think you still need a punter. Got to find somebody. I mean, that's, that's lower on your list. But you got to find somebody. You got to be able to pin people back. And too often, you know, Braden Man didn't do that. You got to be able to pin people back and give offenses a long field to go. And you've got to find, you've got to get your defense that showed a lot of improvement from last year to this year. 
but now you have to get them to the point where they get off the field on third down more than they do. Nobody gets off the field on third down all the time. I get it. I'm not saying that. But they got to do a better job of getting off the field on third down than they have at least the past month. And the gas plays have killed them. Just killed them. We'll continue the conversation next. You're listening to The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. It's The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. Said back to the phones. Sam's in Brooklyn. Sam, you're next on The Drive. Hey, what's up, Larry? This is Sam. What's up, Sam? Larry, we have, we have the modern-day Tomlin. I said it before about Coach Sala. That's, that's modern-day Tomlin. He's, he's doing a good job for two years. The guy did great. Yes, we had troubles, but uh, Larry, it goes all back to the offensive coordinator. It goes all, it falls all back on Matt. If we keep Matt, no matter what quarterback we bring in, we're going to be in the same mess. Well, hopefully, Sam, and thanks for the phone call, if you bring in a veteran quarterback or, or you make some adjustments with LaFleur, um, you know, maybe you, you can do some different things. But I'll say this. And this is not to take Lafleur off the hot seat. If you don't repair this offensive line, I don't care what you call. I don't care who's the quarterback. I mean, and, and to, look, today is not an example. I get it. They were all hurt. These are the backup to the backup to the backup. I got it. And they were, and, and you know, that's why they're the backup to the backup to the backup. There's, there's no question. He had a couple of starters, and then they they weren't good. So this whole offensive line's got to go back. It's got to be revamped again. You know. Elijah Vera Tucker is, is the is the cream of the crop right now in that offense. He's the, he's the best offensive lineman you have. Everybody else, Tomlinson didn't work out. It, what, it, he didn't work out this year. Now, I don't know whether it was because you had injuries on both sides of him or whatever or what, whatever the situation was, but it didn't. he did not have a good season. Did not. And so that offensive line's got to be repaired. Speaking of Mike LaFleur, Robert Sala was asked, are you ready to say, right now definitively that your offensive coordinator is going to be back yeah i you know what i'm i'm gonna go back and do my daily my, my process um i get it you know it is so important for me to go through process you know i've said it before there's just the the amount of things and adversity that he's had to deal with this year is you can't just blame one person there's there's a lot of things that can, that can go around and so making the best decisions for this organization are, are the is first and foremost in other words no he can't make that statement because right now that's not really his statement to make. Because if ownership comes down and says, listen, you got to make a change at this, at this OC, he's got to make a change at the OC unless he wants to leave too. Subi's in Midtown. Subi, you're next on the drive. Hey, Larry, you were mentioning veterans to get in the future because I think the ceiling for this team next year is 500 as well. And the whole point, what I'm trying to say is, is that do you think the Jets would sacrifice the future in trading first-round picks either this year or next year to get a quarterback for a first-round pick? I think Aaron Rodgers would go for one this year and next year or even just just get an offensive line or wide receiver or playmaker on offense for a premier player, veteran. What do you think? Would they sacrifice the future first-round picks? Let me know. Uh, Subi, thanks for the phone call. For them to pull their quarterback from a grooming situation, okay, we're trying to get our young quarterback straightened out. And for them to pull him to attempt to make the postseason this year and not make the postseason, I do think they would be willing to make some changes and give up some some draft picks. I do think so. Now, 
I don't think Aaron Rodgers wants to come here. Aaron, where Aaron Rodgers goes, he, he's a, he wants to go where he's, he's right in the wheelhouse of winning. Okay? The Jets, yes, they need an upgraded quarterback. The Jets are not an Aaron Rodgers away from winning a Super Bowl. They still have other pieces they got to fill out. And once again, if this offensive line doesn't change, Aaron Rodgers is not going to help you. This offensive line has got to, it's got to be improved. There's no question about it. I, I feel I feel it's the same thing we said when Sam Darnold was here. I feel it's the same thing we've said with a lot of quarterbacks. I don't think we've talked much about the offensive line. We've been talking about the problems of this offensive line really since since they were ten and what, ten and ten and ten and six and lost to Buffalo at the end of the season in twenty fifteen in Todd Bowles first year here. We've been talking about what's going on with the offensive line for the past seven years. Seven years. We've been talking about what's going on with this offensive line. And yes, they had injuries. I got it. But they were struggling before the injuries. Lee's in Manhattan. What's up, Lee? Brother Larry, Happy New Year's to you. Happy New Year, Lee. What's happening, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. Hope all is well with you and your family. Everybody's fine, thank you, sir. Let's 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 be honest. You know, when Brees Hall went down, that was more or less the jet season. Okay? Yeah. In a word, okay? That as Ira pointed out, the Detroit game was a killer, but you only needed to win one game. You could have actually been eight and nine and got in and became a wild card. On both sides of the, I mean, the defense gave you all it could give you throughout the season for you to be in the playoffs. Give, you know, I mean, they made a few mistakes here and there, but still all in all, the defense played outstanding for the most part of the season. Mm-hmm. And all you needed was one, two games, three games that you should have won easily, okay, to have made it to the playoffs this year. Offensive side of of the line, O-line, quarterback, top-flight receivers. That's what your Jets have to consider trying to revamp, that whole side of the O-line. Okay, from like I said, from the O-line to the quarterbacks to receivers, because we don't have any top-notch receivers to throw to. Okay, they never tried to change the playbook when Brees Hall went down. Okay, so, I mean, you, Garrett Wilson made... Joe Flacco looked good today. Mm-hmm. Okay? He, did. he, he did. made him look good today. But that's all he threw to. Yeah. So what else can you expect? Yeah. What You're else right, can you man. expect? You're right, my friend. All right, we'll talk soon. Uh, I do think they are a little better receiver lead than, than you're giving them credit for. I, I think, as you mentioned, Gary Wilson was phenomenal this year. Okay? They have to find a way to get Elijah Moore more involved in this offense. Okay, we thought the tight ends were going to be more involved in the offense, and they really weren't. Okay, they really weren't. I mean, Tyler Conklin has shown you some things, but, uh, you know, as, as, as we thought they would be really dominant and prevalent in this Jets offense, they, you saw them early, but you didn't see them when the team was struggling. Okay, and yeah, I hear what you're saying about Brees Hall. It looks that way because Brees Hall hid a lot of deficiencies. You're able to hide your quarterback, really, in Zach Wilson. And people say, Zach Wilson was 5-2. and two. Yeah, well, Bruce Hall was playing. <laughs> All right? And just remember, the first couple of games, Gary Wilson didn't even get the ball. 
you know? So uh, they, they've got a lot to do. They've got a lot to get done on that offensive side. They really do. They have a lot to do. And um, they need to get to it. <laughs> they really do. Because if they don't, uh, it's going to be the same old song next year. Hey, this season marks the 50th anniversary of New York Islanders hockey. To help celebrate, we're giving away tickets to the January 14th matchup against the Montreal Canadiens at the UBS Arena. To enter, download the free ESPN New York app, scroll down to contest, and submit your entry. It's brought to you by the New York Islanders. Join in on the fun this season by grabbing your tickets at NewYorkIslanders.com. For full contest rules, go to ESPNNewYork.com. We'll continue the conversation with you on the phones next on 98.7 ESPN. At Hardest to ESPN at ESPN NY, 98 underscore 7 FM. <whistles> Philly holding on to that 19-9 lead, and they're trying to uh, make sure that they can do what they need to do to have the top seeding in the NFC. San Francisco watching this game very closely, very closely. Back to the phones we go. Mike is in Jersey. Mike, you're next on the drive. Yeah, thanks for taking my call, Larry. Um yeah, I just got a couple of things here and, uh, I want to mention. First is the uh, offensive coordinator, Mike LaFleur. And I know everyone has been chiming in about him, but he, he can't be back next year. He, he got to go. He he got to go. Yeah. Mike LaFleur. He got to go. Okay. Um, you know, there's no creativity to his offense, nothing. I mean, I was impressed with what Miami did in terms of their offense, when they did a trick play behind there, you know, to get the running game going. I mean, you don't even see that from, from what Michael Fuller is doing here. Um, and this has been all through the six games. The, the, it's just been stale. You know, it's just been stale offense, okay? You, you, the quarterback goes back and throws the ball either to the receiver or, or he gives it to, for the running back to run straight up. And there's no creativity. Well, I'll say this, Mike, and thanks for the phone call. Uh, Mike LaFleur really has got a lot to answer for. And it's it's kind of situational as well. And you just look at sometimes balance, and I'm not saying that, and once again, I get it, and I agree with Greg Buttle to an extent, that play calling, people jump on play calling, play calling is overrated. It's really the execution of what's called. That's the key thing. Because you, you, you can know what's coming, and if it's executed right, you can't stop it. So I get that, and I understand that, and Greg talks about that all the time, and I agree with him on that. What I will say in this case, though, is it's situational. You just don't see, um, much to your point, you see him tend to do the same things. He kind of gets predictable. And I don't know whether it's his concern uh, over the quarterback play, because you see it's almost like there's different plays for different quarterbacks, right? And the other reason that fans... And I guess the team seems to fall in love with Mike White is because Mike White has is given the freedom to throw the ball up and down the field. It, it just looks that way. Now, it might not be. It might be that there's the same place called for him as Zach Wilson, but Zach Wilson just doesn't just doesn't see the field the same way yet. He hasn't got that confidence that he understands what's open, what's not open, where the defenses are and stuff like that. So that could be one of the differences because – to be fair, Mike White has had more experience in running a team, not necessarily as a starter, but he's had more experience and he's seen more defenses than what Zach Wilson has seen. So, you know, that could be it. But it just seems like there's two different types of, of, of play calling there. It also seems as though that 
you know, the floor likes to get away from the running game. And, and I'm not saying that you got to be ground and pound, but I do think sometimes you have to be a little bit more balanced than what he's been. I mean, the first couple of weeks when he had Joe Flacco throwing like 50 times, I mean, it's, it's, no, that's, that's not, it's not the way you get it done. Okay, so uh, more conversation that you're starting to hear about maybe they should bring in a senior offensive assistant to him that he can talk some things over with and have a better idea of, of situational plays and things of that nature. Uh, but once again, you know, like Robert Salah said, he's got a lot of evaluation to do. And that that meeting tomorrow is going to be a long day. <laughs> long day. Trying to figure out those postseason wrap-up meetings. Long day. Long day. Andrew's in Franklin Square. Andrew, you're next on the drive. Hey, Larry. Thanks for taking the call. You got it, Andrew. What's up? There's so many things to unwrap here. Uh, You know, I've been a lifelong Jets fan, and, you know, I've seen a lot. And let's be honest, since Woody Johnson made the decision to fire Mike Tannenbaum, it's been an unmitigated disaster. And every year seems to be kind of a similar but different trend. The thing I will say about this year that feels different from me, I've been listening to a lot of the callers and everybody's down on the dumps. Everybody's like, oh, there's so much to do. And I don't disagree. But here's the thing. Since Joe Douglas has gotten here, this team, when Joe Douglas got here, there was nothing here. I mean, this team was a dumpster fire. Since he's been here, he has put together a solid front office. They've been able to draft fairly well. They've had some pretty good pretty good runs here with the draft. Now, look, every draft is a crapshoot. Not, you're not always going to get it right. Obviously, Mekhi Becton has been kind of a bust to this point. But the reality is there was so many holes, and they filled a lot of them. Now, and, and the thing about this year is, you know, this defense, from, from going from where they were last year to this year, their defense kept them in almost every game this year. And so, unfortunately, if they just had a better, better play and execution on offense, they actually are in the playoffs. So the reality is they're not as far away as everybody thinks. So I think everyone's got to calm down. And as far as the offense goes, you know, I think with LaFleur, I think the biggest problem that they ran into, and I think the biggest undersight or oversight, rather, that the entire organization took was when Greg Knapp passed away. They did not bring in an experienced guy to help mentor the quarterback and take some of the load off of a young offensive coordinator. And I think that's been the biggest issue that this team has been plagued with. But, again, I just I don't think they're that as far away as everybody's screaming. I think that everyone's got to just relax. Yeah. It's it stinks when you're seven and three or seven and four and you end up seven and ten. You know, it's a bad stretch down the end of the season. But at the end of the day, the bottom line is this team had a Vegas number of five going into the year. So the unfortunate part is they had seven wins by Thanksgiving. But I really don't think this team is that far away. I hear you, Andrew. Thanks for the phone call. And you're kind of in the middle of, of the folks. So you're kind of you're kind of where we were. Okay. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. You're kind of where we were in the beginning, where I said that, you know, it's either disappointing, a failure, or, hey, look, we improved, all right? And so, Andrew, you're a glass-half-full guy, and, and that's good. They still need a quarterback. And so, and it, maybe it's unfair. Maybe it isn't. But your GM, when you are in charge of drafting a quarterback, under your watch and a head coach under your watch and the quarterback does not work 
or the head coach doesn't work. It kind of colors the moves that work for you, whether it's fair or unfair. It just, it just does. And so for Joe Douglas, yes, especially this year, it looks like obviously with Wilson and Sauce Gardner, Bruce Hall, it looks like he had a really, really good draft. But unfortunately, you're going to look at the fact that for a team that desperately need, needed a quarterback, desperately, you're still in the situation where you're looking for a quarterback. And now if you're going to say that the head coach is not the right guy, then that's on his watch too. So uh, that's why I say next season is an important season for this team because I do believe that Woody Johnson, even if he doesn't say it, he has the right to expect that this team is a playoff team next year. Based on what he saw this year, based on the draft choices and how they've worked with some adjustments. And once again, we talk about how well the defense played. Some of those guys are not going to be back next year. So you've got learning problems and communication issues that you had this year. You're going to have them again next year in a lot of cases. Hopefully you are moving closer to where you want to go from a, from a numbers-wise, from wins-wise. Yes, you improved. But unfortunately, as you mentioned, Seven wins by November. Okay, that, that changed your whole thought process now. You're not just happy with seven wins for the season. You want playoffs. You haven't been there since 2010. You want playoffs. You're the second longest in professional sports not making the postseason behind the Kings in the NBA. That's not going to get it done. Joe's in the Big Apple. What's up, Joe? Hey, Larry, how are you? Happy New Great. Year, brother. Happy New Year, partner. Good to see you on the air as always. Here you, I should say. I'm sorry. They, you know, they have a few things to fix. Um, with regards to the draft and Joe Douglas, if I could make a couple points. Mm-hmm. His biggest thing was that the Jamal Adams trade and they had so many picks. The picks were obvious up there. It wasn't like he went fishing in the third, fourth. Although he did get a couple of gems. I love Clemens, so I don't want to totally you know, negate that. But, I mean, when you look as, as Zach Wilson and you look at Daniel Jones, say, if you look at them, and, for, and you didn't know what their stats were. To me, I look at Daniel Jones, only because he's a New York guy, that I would go to battle with that guy. Look at him. Zach, Zach Wilson reminds me more of Zach Efron, an actor, than, than, than a quarterback. And, and, you know, and I'm not convinced on LaFleur either. I don't even like his brother that much. But, I mean, they have some work to do. You know what I mean, Larry? They still have some work do. to do. There's no question, they Joe. Do. Thanks for the phone yeah. call. You, All right, brother. You can't lose six consecutive games to end the season and think you don't have things that you got to work on. You can't do it. And I, once again, I get the injuries, but every team has injuries. Every team has them. It's not good. It's not a good look. Richardson Manhattan, what's up, Richard? Larry, since the punt return against New England seven weeks ago, November 20th, the Jets have been unwatchable. That's it, period. I can't even – I couldn't watch today's game. A third-string no. quarterback was – I, I wouldn't watch the game. Listened on radio. They should have played uh, Wilson. At least give us something to look at. Says a lot. Bad or good. I, you know, I don't mind. I'll watch something that I think is going to be bad just to see how bad. But uh, watching somebody who's not going to be there, no commitment to the team, that was ridiculous. Another thing with the Giant game. 
If you don't want to play your team, why don't you just forfeit the game? Why do they go on with the game? If they don't want to get hurt, they don't want to play, they don't want to play their regulars, just say before the game, Philly, you want it. Let's not even go out and make it a charade. Really? I mean, I hate unwatchable football, Larry. Yeah. I can't, I, any, unwatchable any sport. I, 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 you know, I got to admit, they've tried the NFL not, you know, to avoid these kind of games. And this actual, you know, happened like that. You know what's going to be funny with the Giant game? If they mm-hmm. lose next week or are bad or get blown out, everyone's going to say they lost their edge by not playing today. You mm-hmm. know, that's going to happen. So, yeah. I mean, if they were worried about the guy getting injured, now they're going to have to worry about not coming in, not coming out, uh, sharp against the, you know when they play next week, so that's something to worry about. But the Jets today, no, I mean you can't watch these games. No. They were, t- and you know I don't understand Greg Butter. Why don't you just be a little critical and say this was unwatchable football? It was. You can't watch these games. You don't even think you have a chance in the game. Wow, this this has been a mismanaged uh, situation. And to play a guy with five broken ribs, Larry, mm. how can you do that? I mean, when did you ever hear it? Is? <laughs> this is incredible. Well, I'll say this, Richard, and thanks for the oh. phone call. I- I'm sure as far back as your memory goes, and you have a terrific memory about sports and things, there's been a number of players who have played with situations like similar. I don't say like that, similar. And it, it just showed you at that point how desperate the Jets were. And for Zach Wilson to not play today, even if you plan to play Mike White and change and go with Joe Flacco for Zach Wilson to not play today says a lot. It says a lot. It, it says that either the organization has lost faith in him. It says that either he's lost faith in himself and didn't want to play. I mean, I, I maybe somebody has got some answers. Rich Samini joins us at the bottom of the hour. We'll come back and take some more phone calls as well on 9870 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty. On 98.7 ESPN. Samini covers the Jets for us on ESPN.com. He is the dean of the flight deck, which is going to have some very interesting content over the next couple of weeks. Rich Samini, Happy New Year. How are you? Happy New Year, Larry. Coming to you live from the Fort Lauderdale Airport. So bear with me if there's any background noise. Uh, No problem. No problem. We thanks for a couple of minutes. Rich, I guess the first question we have to ask is, I mean, how... What's what's the situation with the with the coaching with with Robert Sala with Mike Lafleur? I mean, somebody's got to pay for six consecutive losses when you end the season like the way they played. Yeah, you're right, Larry. Six straight losses and actually, you know, scoring only four touchdowns in those six games is just uh, utterly unacceptable. Fifteen points in the last three games. This is the NFL we're talking about, and you know, I know. They've had quarterback problems, and the offensive line was was just a mess today. But uh, 15 points, not being able to score a touchdown in professional football is unacceptable. So you're right. I, I you know I'd be I'd be really really surprised if something happened to Robert Sala. I think he will be back. He should be back. I don't think you can let this slump um, dissuade you from thinking. I, I do think they're heading in the right direction. I think ultimately Woody Johnson will realize that. You hope he does. They're better than they were two years ago. They're better than they were last year. They improved from four to seven wins. Yeah, it looks ugly because of the losing streak, but I think Sala and Douglas have this thing going in the right direction. Now, Michael LaFleur is a different story. I think his job is probably in serious jeopardy. I, I think they, they're going to need 
a new voice there in the offensive room, especially with Zach Wilson in all likelihood coming back. Uh, it hasn't worked with LaFleur and Zach Wilson, and if they're as committed to Zach Wilson as they say they are, they're going to need a new voice in his ear to make this, uh, make this offense functional. Could you see a scenario where uh, LaFleur is back, but he has a, like a special assistant who's a veteran offensive coach or coordinator from around the league? Yeah, I mean, I kind of suggested that in my notes column this morning on ESPN.com saying bringing in like a senior offensive assistant, which was really the way they had it designed two years ago when they hired Greg Knapp. We, we, we all know, of course, that he passed away tragically before that first training camp. So I think if they could find someone like that, but who, you know, I mentioned Gary Kubiak, who obviously mm-hmm. solid knows from their Houston days. Kubiak is essentially one of the founders of this offense, along with Mike Shanahan, but he retired two years ago. He's 61. I believe he was with Minnesota and retired. Would he want to come out of retirement to do this? I don't know. Um, so there's a lot of questions to be answered. And I think, at some point, Robert Sala and Woody Johnson are going to sit down and try to figure out a direction because it, it can't – It just look, I like Mike LaFleur. I, I think he has the potential to be a really good coach in this league, but things have gotten gotten a little sideways here. Rich Amini is my guest. All right, Rich, let's talk about this quarterback situation. I mean, how how is this possible that even in – and I get how bad it's been for Zach Wilson. I mean, very rarely, and I'll let you talk about that, because I can't remember when a, a quarterback's been inactive, not benched, inactive twice in one season. But there's no way he could have played today, even after you found out Mike White couldn't play. That's a bad situation, Rich. It's a bad look. It's a bad look, but I do understand why they did it. So I'm going to defend Salah in this situation. Uh, Zach Wilson was, was horrible the last time he played against Jacksonville. We all saw it. He got booed off the field in national TV in prime time. And so his confidence is shot. I think they're, you know, they have him pointing towards 2023. Uh, he's at such a fragile state right now that they didn't want to put him out there. Joe Flacco did fine today. I mean, that, that wasn't the difference in the game. I mean, Zach Wilson wasn't going to make uh, a difference in the game today. The essential, basically the outcome was, was meaningless. Uh, for the Jets, anyway, it was a big, a big game for the Dolphins. I can't believe they're in the playoffs, but uh, you know, so it's really meaningless in a sense. So I think they're, they, they basically, it's, it's a Zach Wilson therapy session started a couple of weeks ago, and they're going to keep that going all off season and into next training camp. Is the starting quarterback for the Jets on this roster right now? I don't believe so. Um, there's only one quarterback under contract, and that's Zach Wilson. You know, Zach, uh, Mike White and, and Joe Flacco are going to be free agents. Flacco indicated after the game that he kind of sounded like he wants to continue playing. So, uh, I mean, certainly you wouldn't bring him back as your one or your two. Mike White could come back as a two. But I do think, Larry, that the Jets will have a different starting quarterback next year. They have to. Uh, it's too much of a risk for Robert Sala and Joe Douglas, because next, next year will be make or break for those two. And so it would be too much of a risk to hand it all over to Zach Wilson again. So they have to upgrade at the position. Robert Salas said after the game, he said, we're going to make the quarter position, quarterback position right. Now, you can, what does that mean? What does right mean? That means they got to get a better player there. And so I do think Zach will be on the team as a backup probably because they just don't want to 
cash in on that investment and take a loss. So I think they'll keep him around for that purpose and try to continue to develop him. But they have to try to win now. They have a win now defense. It's a good defense. It's not a great defense. Let's let's be clear. It's not a great defense, but it's a good defense. And they got to try to capitalize on this window. Rich, you know, uh, obviously Joe Douglas coming under a lot of fire because of what's happened with Zach Wilson so far. I mean, he's made some – this year's draft is going to – might extend him, <laughs> give him a little more leeway because he's gotten great players out of this potentially. Gary Wilson, you know, record-setting rookie with yards, uh, receiving, and Sauce Gardner, pro bowler. So obviously those two have done a tremendous job. Brees Hall has been very good. Boy, do they miss him. But, Rich, this offensive line continues to be an issue for him, and – I don't know how you fix it in a year. Uh, Becton, you can't depend on him. I mean, you hope Elijah Vera Tucker is able to come back. Tomlinson was not the Tomlinson I think they expected. Rich, kind of dissect this offensive line for me. Where can they get better? Yeah, it's a problem, you know, and that's concerning because this was his pet project was to try to rebuild this offensive line. They did have a lot of injuries this year, but, uh, you know, the Mackay Becton pick has not worked out for, for various reasons. I've been told that he looks good. You know, he's working out as a Jet facility. You know, I think he's dropped some weight. Uh, but you, you really can't count on him next year to be one of your starters. Uh, I, I do think he'll be back with the team because he has no trade value at this point. Uh, but given his history, and he's basically missed two full seasons. I don't see how you can count on him. Uh, the only guys who I'm sure will be starting next year are Lakin Tomlinson and Elijah Vera Tucker, who will be back healthy. You have to find a new center. I don't think Connor McGovern will be back. And you probably have to draft another tackle. So, um, you know, they'll have Max Mitchell coming back. I think they need some young blood on this offensive line. Uh, when you get a lot of older guys together, like your, your George Fans, uh, you know, your Dwayne Browns, your older guys wear down and, and get injured. And I think this line is screaming out for some an influx of some young players. Yep, I agree with you. Ritz, uh, Jets have some decisions to make, too, on the other side of the football. I mean, they've got a bunch of – they've got some free agents, uh, guys that are free agents, and I would think Quentin Williams is in line to get a huge payday. Quentin Williams had a great year. He was, you know, deservedly the team MVP – He's got one year left on his deal, but the Jets would be smart to extend that contract. Uh, I think Quinnen is going to be looking for something in the uh, close to the Aaron Donald neighborhood. You know, he's everyone's been comparing him to Aaron Donald, so I think he's going to say, "Well, I want to be paid close to Aaron Donald." Aaron Donald is about thirty-two million a year, and the next closest person to him, you have Leonard Williams and uh, DeForest Buckner, both at twenty-one million a year. Uh, Quinnen's going to come in north of twenty-one million a year, so this will be the largest contract in Jets history. When will they get it done? You know, there's no sense of urgency right now. Quinnen has not pushed the issue. This is not a Jamal Adams situation. He's been very patient. I don't know how long his patience will last, but I would suspect that's something they will try to get done before the start of next season. Linebacker situation. C.J. Mosley, uh, please refresh my memory. What is his contract situation, and will they, is, could he be a cap casualty? Well, he is on, yeah, he's under contract, but his cap number is at $22 million, so obviously that is prohibitive. They cannot have him on the roster taking up $22 million. So they're going to have to rework that. Um, they, you know, he renegotiated at the start of this season just to give them more cap room. And so CJ is, I think he's amenable to staying. Now I haven't asked him specifically about that, 
but uh, something I'll certainly ask them tomorrow uh, when we have Baggies Day. But, you know, I think the, the coaching staff loves CJ. Uh, you know, is he the fastest middle linebacker in pass coverage? No. I think they probably ideally would like a little more speed on the field. But he is such a uh, smart player and such a tough guy that I think this organization would like to have him back. But it, it ain't going to be at that number, Larry. So they're going to have to try to bargain something. Yeah, there's no question about that. There's there's no doubt. Um, you've covered the Jets as long as Woody Johnson has been older. And I know he told the media today, I saw that he will speak to the to the media next week. Do you see him saying that there is a playoff mandate for Salah and Joe Douglas and this Jet team? Or is he a person that's not going to come out and say that publicly but might present that to the team privately? Yeah, I don't – yeah, I mean, he could do it privately. But um, I, I've known him since you're right. He, he took over the team in 2000. He's never issued a playoff mandate, even when he's he, – this is not the first time they've been in a situation like that. So I'm not so sure a playoff mandate is the smartest thing to do. Um, you know, does it get – you know, does it maybe appease the fans a little bit? Yeah, I guess it does for a short time. But, you know, it, it, there's just other way – look, if they've gone 12 straight years out of the playoffs, you got you would think that he wants to be in the playoffs for sure. It's the longest active drought in the NFL. But to say – to go out publicly, it's very George Steinbrenner-esque. And though Woody can be impulsive at times, I, I know after the last few games he's been – raging mad afterwards in the locker room from what I've been told today he seemed fairly calm he probably was resigned to it knowing that they were already out of the playoffs but I'd be surprised if he did a public playoff mandate uh it would probably help his popularity among fans but I I I just don't know if that's the wisest move last thing Ritz before I know you gotta get that plane I don't want you left there your wife will kill me um Will the Jets make a – if they have to give up first-round picks, I had a couple of calls callers ask me, if they have to give up first-round picks for a veteran quarterback, are they willing to do that or will they try to go in the situation where they don't have to go for a, a bigger a bigger name that would require a first-round pick? Well, they're going to have to make that decision quickly because Derek Carr's situation with the Raiders is – there's a three-day window right after the Super Bowl – you know, and I think the Raiders will obviously move on from him and try to extract some compensation from the team instead of just cutting him outright. I think it would be um, – I don't think the Jets would be wise to give up a first-round pick for Derek Carr. However, and we know Joe Douglas just loves his draft capital. I mean, he, he loves hoarding draft picks and using that to get better. So I'd be a little surprised if he gave up a first-round pick that's why Garoppolo makes sense because he'll be a free agent. Now, Jimmy's got some baggage as well, mostly durability questions. So, I, But he's such a seamless fit in terms of the system and everything that that's what's appealing to the Jets. But, I mean, if – and this is strictly a out of left field, but if some reason Lamar Jackson became available – uh, maybe you know. Then I think Joe Douglas would consider giving up some premium draft picks, but it's really not his way. It's not his mo. But look, you can't win in this league without a quarterback, and we're going to find out just how desperate he is to win by the manner in which he tries to solve this problem. 
Rich, great job as always. Have a safe flight and be prepared. Get some sleep on that flight. It's going to be a long, baggy day tomorrow with all those interviews and, and post-season sure post interviews. Thanks, Larry. <laughs> all right, take care. Rich Samiti. When we return, we'll get your thoughts and break down some of the things Rich had to say. That's next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.